Welcome everyone to the BISA Portfolio Podcast. I'm Rich Blake, Portfolio Contributing Editor, and today I'll be speaking with two members of the BISA Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, Kevin Beard, Chief Growth Officer at Atria Wealth Solutions, and Jim Nickens, President of InSource Inc., and also the Executive Vice President of U.S. Annuity Partners. Now, this is a two-part series because we have a lot of ground to cover. We're going to be diving into a wide range of topics related to DEI, as well as Kevin and Jim's leadership journeys, their experiences, and the path forward for financial services. So, Kevin and Jim, welcome. Thank you for participating in today's conversation. Each of you have more than 20 years of experience in financial services, coming up in the industry in different ways. So I'd like to ask each of you to share your leadership journey. Jim, we'll start with you. Where did you get your start? And how have you pushed forward in this industry? Thanks, Rich. And I'm glad to spend time with you this afternoon. I'm going to start from the beginning. I grew up in the Cleveland area and with a family that was not financially wealthy, but had a wealth of solid grounding. And when I say that, I mean, it consisted of purpose, process, and competitiveness. And that grounding was what helped me go through my journey of finding out what I wanted to do as a career. But what really made all the difference was my grandfather, who at the age of six, brought us all, all, me and my brothers, shares of stock of local Northeast Ohio companies and challenged us at any time he came around to visit, as long as we were able to tell him how much the stock moved, he paid us a dollar. And I'm going to date myself by saying that that was a good chunk of money for a six-year-old. So at that point, I was hooked and wanted to find more ways to learn more about the financial service industry. And then that combined with my parents' example of supporting and helping others and focusing on the community moved me into what I thought was going to be the best career for me after a few stumbles. When I say stumbles, it wasn't bad. I went to a great college and was pre-med until senior year when I realized that numbers and finances really were my passion. And that passion would be where I wanted to go moving forward. So after I graduated, I was able to find a wonderful management program with Bank One. And a lot it doesn't exist anymore, but a lot of people in our business at this age know what it was, which gave me the ability to learn about the true side of finances, lending, community reinvestment, just basic banking skills that we could teach. Part of that program also was giving back to the community. So we would do financial literacy classes. And once that got into my system, that just took me to the next level. But as I continued to grow and I was supported by others, I started to realize that the higher I got, the lonelier it became as I went to board meetings. That's what truly interests me in DE&I. And that's why I'm happy to be here today is to talk about that journey and talk about what my experiences have been and maybe talk about some ideas of what we could do more of differently or even hold ourselves accountable to as we move forward. One of the last things I would say is something that I got from my dad. And he said to truly be successful, I had to commit to pulling others towards their success as well. And when you talk about leadership styles, that's really where I'm grounded. That's excellent. Thank you, Jim. Kevin, I know you have your own leadership journey to share. Yes. Thank you again for the time and for the invitation to be here. Very similar to Jim and not to date myself as well. I had a very similar story where my parents would sit around the kitchen table in the morning with us 
And my dad, who worked at Ford, the first symbol I learned to look for in the Wall Street Journal was Ford, which was the symbol F, and the price per share. And used to watch that all the time. And my brother and I were always taught to look for that in the newspaper and also learn other stock symbols, a lot of Northeast Ohio companies, as well as a lot of the blue chip companies, GE, IBM. And part of that in growing up, I also recall my father, who was very early on, I will say, and and I'll get into a little bit more about growing up in, in the black community. Wealth management was not discussed. And my father was very early on in planning for retirement and looking at investing in stocks and bonds. And I remember going with him to Merrill Lynch and watching him go in and invest what he had into Ford, into IBM. He also used to invest in silver. And that, I would say, grounded me in why I am in wealth management and what I do today and why I'm so passionate about it. With that, I would say upon my leadership journey, I started my career at Merrill Lynch and through there moved to a small independent firm. You know, I learned every facet of the business from operations to trading, to sales, to recruiting. And through that really helped build and mentor me into the leadership role that I have today. And I didn't have a lot of role models other than my parents. And I would say someone I could look to who was in financial services. And so in reading the Wall Street Journal, I remember Kenneth Chenault when he became CEO of American Express. And I use that as more of an exemplar of he was someone that I could at least look up to and read about. I didn't know him personally, but I often think about today and my kids, I have three daughters. They only know two presidents, Barack Obama and Donald Trump. And for me as a kid, and probably very similar to Jim, growing up in Northeastern Ohio, my parents just always tell me, hey, you can do anything you want. You can be anything you want to be. But I would say I didn't have the example of seeing someone like me in leadership until I read about Kenneth Chenault. And I look at my kids, I think they have so many examples in the fact that they have known a black president and they've known a white president. Whereas for me, it was always, I'd see all the presidents that we had, 44 at the time, were all white men. (laughs) And so I feel hopeful that, you know, we will have a female president. We will have an Asian president. We will have a first black woman president. And with all that, I think that having those role models, having those examples to look to can help guide you into leadership positions. And so many of the mentorship that I had were not African-American descent, but I was very blessed that I was able to have the roles and leadership that I did and the mentoring that got me to where I am today. And that's why I'm hopeful about the future and where, where our industry is headed as well as where our country is headed. Well, I know you are both committed to advancing positive changes as leaders within the BISA Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And that means advancing positive changes throughout financial services as a whole. Let's just talk about that phrase, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Throw around shorthand, DE&I or DEI. Kevin, I'll start with you. What does DE&I mean to you? Share your thoughts. Well, you know, I know the word term DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. What that means to me is, is being inclusive, is giving back to your community, It is also having equity, having ownership, having pride in what you do, where you're going, 
and where you want the future to go. And so I think where this term DEI, I would say, I think since 2009 has become very popular in many companies and communities and countries. And so forth. I, I, you know, I think for me, it's something that I have been living with all my life and all my career. And I'm glad to see the awareness that's being raised around it. But at the same time, I think I look at that, and especially in wealth management, there's a stagnation in the C-suite. Our industry is very homogenous. And being so, I think that's where people like myself, people like Jim Mickens, where we can give back to the community, be examples, be leaders, and also at the same time, help those that are probably looking at us, even though we don't know that we are being looked at as examples, to get into leadership roles, help them and mentor them and guide them, and also help and guide our industry to be more inclusive to have not just a DEI board, but also looking at how can we have an impact in our corporation, in our community, and be inclusive and include equity. And I think that's what I think DEI for me, that's what it means is having the equity, having inclusion, but also having, I would say, a voice that is impactful, that is mentoring and also giving back to the community. I don't even know how to follow that. But I 100% agree, Kevin, and I would add a few things. One, I see DEI as an opportunity, as part of the journey. The opportunity is being able to bring a best of the best environment. And it's really hard to say you're the best when certain people are excluded from the experiences, the opportunities, or even the rewards. And going through this process, we can get a lot better, be more positive, impact more individuals. But the challenge is, is actually having people at the C-suite level embrace it and understand that this is not a short-term item. It's not something that checks a box. It's an investment in longevity. It's an investment in our industry of making our businesses look like the clientele we're here to service. That's the challenge and the opportunity. The best part about it is this opportunity does come with a reward. And that reward, in my opinion, will be more inclusive clientele, which also leads to more innovative products, which leads to more innovative results, more positive results. So it's not a, I don't see this as a once in a lifetime or a rehashing of other journeys. I think this is the journey for us in our industry to embrace this and take it to the next level. And it will be a challenge because it will take some change in thought as well as makeup, but the opportunity is here if we want to take it. And then as Kevin said, by us, Kevin and myself and many others like us, by us leading the charge and pushing it forward, we set the example that other, I would say my daughters, I use them a perfect example. I also have three daughters as well. They watch every move I make. Their friends watch every move I make. So that is a challenge to continue pushing this forward is because the kids are watching. Absolutely. I think, Jim, what you bring up is, is key. I mean, it's making it core to our values. And as you said, our kids are watching. And I know you probably have the same. I know my daughters date me as the old man. But at the same time, our kids and their friends are looking at how we act, what we do. And I always feel proud when they do and I see them with their friends and they emulate what I think are core to our values and what I want for them and what I want them to be when they grow up. And so 
I think the same goes for in their work environment. I want them in their professional careers to know that they can have inclusion, that they have equity, and also that it is a diverse community. And I love it. My nine-year-old daughter, she said to me a while ago, because my parents, you know, when I was a kid, everything was growing up of seeing color. And my kids don't see color. And that's what I love about the way my kids have grown up is when I talk to them about their friends, it wasn't when I was a kid growing up and my mom would say, well, your one friend down the street, I think it's the, 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 uh, um, the, the white kid <laughs> that you grew up with. And no, you know, it's not seeing color. And that's where, again, I get hopeful. I'm very optimistic about the future and looking at our kids as the example of where I think we're, it's important that we're having this conversation now, but at the same time, I think we're setting them up to do better and be better than we were. Absolutely. Well, I'm sitting here in Indiana. It's all about farming and it's about planting the seeds and harvesting the crops. And that's really what we're doing right here in front of our children is we're planting the seeds so the crop can be harvested later. Picking up on that thought, There's a lot of emphasis on and dialogue about DEI, and these terms matter, so I appreciate you sharing what DEI means to you. But to move it ahead, there has not been as much progress in increasing and supporting diversity within some organizations, as some may have hoped, so the conversation has to keep going. What recommendations do you have, and I'll let each of you take a turn at this, to turn the phrase, words, to measurable, impactful actions within organizations? Jim, start with you. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is going to be to stop looking at all the research. We can't research this anymore. We have all the data points that we need to show that this is a great investment at the corporate level. Now it's taking that research and moving to action, which is what is done at the corporate level with every initiative. We do a lot of research. We put a project team together. We roll it out as an organization and everybody moves forward. And that's the same approach here. The research has been done. I'll say it over and over again. There's no need to re-examine what we've already put in place. Now we have to execute. If we do that, then these discussions like this will be very productive. But that's the challenge. Move on past the research. I agree. And Jim took the word right out of my mouth. Execution, execution, execution. That is what I think we need to do. And that is, you're right. We research, we've discussed, but now it's execute. I think we know what we have to do. We know what we need to do and we know what we should do. And let's act on the plan. Let's execute and move forward. Do you think the biggest hurdle is just inertia and just it's hard to change things that have changed so gradually or if at all, or are there identifiable difficulties, specific challenges? And what do you suggest those who encounter such difficulties do? to overcome? I think inertia is a good word. I would use comfort, actually. There's a comfort of being in a a bubble, of surrounded by people that are like you, who think like you, who have experiences like you. But in reality, in life, no progress is made without discomfort. You have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to introduce different individuals with different cultural experiences, thought processes, just different from you to actually grow. And that's the challenge is being comfortable and being uncomfortable. That's where I see the problem is right now, because as people start feeling the walls closing in, they also close in their networks and their bubbles. So that's where the challenge is. I agree. It is. It's a comfort 
And I don't think, you know, you hear this term, nobody likes change. I think we're all, we're all subject to that. I mean, my wife right now, she's remodeling the house. And, and I, <laughs> I always joke with her that, you know, you're killing me, Smalls, because I don't like change. <laughs> and so with that, I think it's just getting out of our bubble. It's getting out of our comfort zone. And it's setting goals and challenging ourselves to move the, you know, move our cheese. And in doing so, you know, I think you will see us execute on the plan. You will see the execution of what we need to do and what we should do. But again, I, I agree with Jim. It is it's that comfort level. We're in our bubble and we like it. And don't move our cheese. I, <laughs> yep. I think you dated yourself with the reference to Who Moved My Cheese, a business book from the 80s. But we all remember Absolutely. that one. <laughs> it's great listening to you guys and learning from you guys. and. We appreciate you taking the time and sharing your perspectives and your stories. This is uh, just part one of our conversation. So tune in for part two, where we'll, uh, we'll continue this conversation, looking towards the future and the future of leadership and the lessons and recommendations to make an impact. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this BISA Portfolio Podcast, and we'll see you next time. And thank you, Jim and Kevin. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich.